0: Tonight we're talking about how to overcome nagging sin. And I'm grateful for those of you that are on the call here. Uh, As you can see from the logo on your screen, this is part of the Healthy Discipleship Community. I just started the Healthy Discipleship Community up just a couple weeks ago, and so I'm grateful for those of you that are part of it already. Uh, If you're not part of it yet, uh, you can find more information about it at my website, which is desirejesus.com. Dot com And in the community, we have books, we have training, we have audio, we have video, a whole variety of things. And I hope that you'll make use of those, uh, just those pieces of content that we have there. We have things geared toward those that are seeking to grow in their faith in Christ. Also have a lot of training on there that it, that uh, is geared for church leaders, uh, whether you're somebody that volunteers in leadership in your local church or if you're a vocational leader. So I hope you'll take advantage of all of that. It's all part of the Healthy Discipleship community. And uh, each of these training opportunities that we're doing here too, we're going to be saving the recordings of them as long as the recordings come through accurately and clear and, and without, any, uh, without any issue. And uh, we'll be posting those in the community as well. So you will be able to access These training events after the fact, after uh, we're finished with them, we'll be posting those in there over time and also in the Facebook community group. Uh, But tonight we're talking about how to overcome nagging sin. And uh, this is one of the topics that I've been planning to share with us in uh, the community here uh, because this is a topic that all of us wrestle with. This is something that every believer in every era has wrestled with. We all wrestle with how to overcome nagging sin. We've all uh, looked at different things that have been taking place in our lives, and we've said, why is this here? Or why am I doing this? Or why does this persist? And so we're going to talk about what Scripture says in regard to what we're calling nagging sin, but also how to overcome it. So let me jump us to A few uh, ideas here, a few thoughts. So, first of all, as I just mentioned a moment ago, nagging sin is a common struggle for all of us. Every single one of us, we all wrestle with it. This isn't something that is uncommon for us. This is something that every one of us deals with. It's also something that I should say, uh, you know, when you look at what Scripture tells us about uh, the sin that we deal with in our day to day lives, Scripture makes it very clear. That it's not unique to us, meaning that all of us deal with the same categories. We're all dealing with the same exact kind of things. It's not like the type of things I have going on in my life are so unique or the type of things you have going on in your life are so unique. I think some of those things, maybe we, we tend to lean more towards certain sins than others, but the general categories are common to all of us. And I I think that's important to mention right here at the outset, because one of the things that I think causes us to uh, maybe wrestle with sin a little bit extra or maybe feel a little bit discouraged while we're wrestling is because we tend to think that nagging sin, that the things that we're tempted by, we tend to think that it's unique to us. Sometimes we tend to think that it's just us, that we're alone in this. But when you look at what Scripture actually teaches, it teaches us that these things are common. This is a common struggle for all of us. Now, you'll notice on your screen there in front of us, I have a question, and the question is this, how does our desire to reduce pain factor in? Well, when you look at areas of temptation in your life. Or when you look at the type of things that we as human beings tend to gravitate toward, we tend to gravitate toward things that we think will reduce our pain. So when you talk to somebody about an addiction and how an addiction became prevalent in their day-to-day life, addictions tend to become prevalent because at least for a moment, we expect whatever we're addicted to uh, to um, reduce some level of pain. We think it's going to reduce some level of pain. And so we invite something into our lives that, that doesn't belong there because we think that it's going to reduce our pain. But it doesn't reduce the pain. It, is, uh, it, it actually produces additional pain. And um, when when it comes to that, I think that's how certain things gain a foothold in our life. We think that whatever we're tempted by is going to become something that reduces our pain. And uh, then it becomes a dominant area of struggle in our day-to-day life because we expect it to do that. And we find ourselves in a spot where instead of trusting Christ, to be the solution. We start with our go-to, whatever our addiction may be. So if it's alcohol, if it's drugs, if it's pornography, if it's you know something along those lines, uh, we, we, we tend to think that that's going to somehow uh, reduce our pain, but it ends up producing additional pain. Now, one of the things that I think all of us wrestle with is this question that the Apostle Paul brings up in Scripture, and so I'll, I'll ask it here. Um, why do we do what we don't want to do? Why do we do what we don't want to do? Um, I think that's the type of thing that I've wrestled with in my life, and you've probably wrestled with in your life. We ask that question, why do we do what we don't want to do. And I think it's interesting when you look at how the apostle Paul described this in Romans chapter 7 and that's the primary chapter we're going to look at tonight although we're going to look at one additional chapter as well or at least a small portion of it. But in Romans 7 verses 18 and 19 Paul says this. He says for I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. So in his words here, as the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write these things down, he starts explaining this struggle that's taking place in him. And he says, all right, just by nature, I recognize that nothing good dwells in me, in my old nature, in my unredeemed flesh. I know that nothing good dwells there, in my sin nature. He says, again, you know, for, I, I have this desire to do what's right. I want to do what's right. But naturally speaking, I don't have the ability to carry it out. This isn't something that naturally speaking, I'm capable of fully and completely doing what's right. And he says, for I do not do the good I want. So instead of, you know, I have, there's this aim, there's this goal. And I'm not I'm not reaching it. I'm not meeting it. I'm not doing the good I want to do. But the evil I don't want is what I keep on doing. That was Paul's struggle. That's our struggle. I think it's one of the most identifiable portions of Scripture for many of us. Because when we look at this, we think, okay, that's exactly what my life has looked like. I find myself at times having the desire to do what is right. But then I find myself in a spot where I feel like, am I completely incapable of carrying this out for the, the good uh, or, you know, so for I do not do the good that I want. I end up doing the evil that I don't want to do. That was what Paul was, was wrestling with. That's the same thing that you and I wrestle with as well. Now, let's talk about this idea or the reasons why this struggle takes place. Why do I do what I don't want to do? And one of the things that Scripture brings out to us that I want to point out to us this evening is, first of all, part of the reason why we do what we don't want to do is that sin has deceived us. Sin has deceived us. We've been deceived by sin. When you look at Romans chapter 7, verse 11, Paul says it this way, For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me, and through it killed me. So when you look at that portion of Scripture, you see that Paul gives an example there of the Word of God teaching him what's right and what's wrong. So the commandments that the Lord has given to us about His standard, we, you know, we look at what Scripture says, and we say, okay, you know, Scripture says, for instance, don't covet. But then there's a part of me instinctively that feels like rebelling against that. I know that right now, while we're living in the midst of uh, a season of time where there is additional government regulation in areas that I'm not used to and you're not used to, I think instinctively one of the things that I find myself really wrestling with is this desire to rebel against authority. Now, I'm the father to four children and... Uh, I know that some of them are probably listening to this training tonight. <laughs> and so they they would probably laugh at the fact that their father is struggling with some of the same things that they would probably admit to struggling with as well. When I give a rule in our home, when I give a directive, I think instinctively my children have a part of them that wants to rebel against that. Well, I'm saying that I as an individual, when my government at times will tell me, okay, do this or don't do that. There's a part of me that wants to rebel against that. And Paul says in Romans chapter seven, verse 11, that the word of God communicates commandments. The word of God communicates the heart of God. And the Lord speaks to us and reveals things to us through his word. And sin likes to seize on that opportunity to deceive us and invite us to rebel against what God has revealed or communicated. And I think the way that sin operates in these moments is that our own sin nature, in a sense, likes to tell us that we know better than God. That God has communicated something, but somehow we think, okay, well, uh, he may have said that, but that was for people living in a different era, or that was for a circumstance that doesn't resemble my circumstance. Or you know, if the Lord knew a little bit more about my background, maybe he wouldn't come down so hard on me in regard to this particular area or this particular struggle, and so our sin likes to rationalize it likes to give us just part of the story, it likes to uh, influence us to think that there won't be consequences to our actions and so when you look at what Romans chapter seven verse eleven reveals to us, it tells us that sin seizing an opportunity, right? It seizes an opportunity. It looks for an opportunity to deceive us. And it's looking to deceive us and it's looking really to kill us. It's looking to harm us. So that's one of the principles that's brought up in Romans chapter seven that I wanted to point out to us this evening, that sin loves to deceive us. It It loves to cause us to believe things that are not accurate and are not true. Something else that Scripture brings out that I, I want to point out, Paul brings this out in Romans chapter 7, verse 15, is that one of the reasons that we tend to do what we don't want to do is that we don't understand our own actions. Look at how he phrases it in Romans 7, verse 15. He says, For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. So it's an interesting statement that he makes there. Is the Holy Spirit inspires him to write these things down? He's being very self reflective. He's being very honest. He's being very transparent. He's at a spot where he's saying, "All right, I don't under I don't even understand my own actions. I I look at what's going on here." And and again, keep in mind that Paul is writing this as someone who knows Jesus. He's writing this as someone who loves Jesus. He's saying, "I don't even understand what's going on in my life sometimes because." I do not do what I want, and I end up doing the very thing I hate. I don't understand my own actions. And I think that this is a struggle that you and I wrestle with as well. We look at what's going on in our day-to-day life, and we don't quite get it. We don't understand it. We really wrestle with it. Sin can be very confusing. Sin can be very difficult for us to get our minds wrapped around. Because even when we're at a point, where we're saying, okay, I don't see this the way I used to see this. We still find ourselves saying, I, I, like I, I still at times invite something into my life that doesn't belong here. And Paul's saying, I don't understand this. I don't understand my own actions. I'm not doing what I want to do. I'm actually doing the opposite of uh, what I want to do. I know that one of the things that is important to me personally, and I'll just be transparent with you about this one of the things that's important to me personally, is using my words to encourage other people I feel like the lord's given me plenty of opportunity to to teach and communicate and uh, so uh, you know as was mentioned before you know i have I have a blog, I have podcasts, I have the privilege to serve as a, a local church pastor. there are online teaching opportunities that I utilize uh, I have a family, I have friends, I have neighbors, and I want to use my words to encourage other people. I want to use my words to build others up. And I had something, and I won't be super specific about this, I guess. I'll just be kind of general about this part. Uh, But just within the past week, I noticed that I said something in a moment of irritation or a moment of anger that I wished I was able to take back because I looked at that and I thought, all right, that's not a very encouraging statement to make. That's not a very encouraging statement to communicate or even an encouraging way to communicate. And I thought, all right, for somebody who wants to help people and for somebody who wants to encourage other people, why would you say that that way? Or why would you communicate that way? And I find myself saying the same type of thing Paul says in this passage. I don't understand my own actions. I end up doing the things I don't want to do. I do the very thing I hate. I'm not doing the things I want to do at times. And so this is the battle that we're in. We don't always understand our own actions. Well, Paul goes on a little bit further to reveal to us by, again, using his own life as an example here of what's being communicated. And he shows us that even in the midst of all of this, we can take heart because Jesus has delivered us. Look at what it says in Romans chapter 7, verse 24, down to the first part of verse 25. There Paul says this. He says, "'Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord.'" Now, I'm grateful that we aren't put in a spot where we have to rely on our own wisdom and our own strength to somehow deliver ourselves. I'm grateful that Scripture reveals to us that we are not our own solution. So when I look at my wretched condition, when you look at your wretched condition, when Paul looked at his wretched condition, and as he says, wretched man that I am, as he's looking at himself, and I think to a certain degree he was actually feeling rather disgusted with himself, He's saying, who will deliver me from this body of death? He's able to look up and he's able to give thanks to God. He says, all right, I find my deliverance from God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's where deliverance is from. And I truly believe with all my heart that Jesus desires and does deliver us from our sin. I I believe that he desires to do it. And I believe that he does do it. And he, give us, he gives us the opportunity to rely on him, to rely on his wisdom, to rely on his power. And here Paul looks at his situation. And he says, all right, who's going to deliver me from this? Because he realizes that he feels in his own natural strength, he doesn't feel like he has the power to deliver himself. And so he gives praise to God. He says, "I, you know, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Christ is the solution. Christ is the one who delivers us. From our nagging sin. Now, I want to share something with you from an article that I read several years ago. And in 2016, there was an article titled Four Steps to Kill Nagging Sin. It was an article that was written by a man named Gavin Ortland. And he had some very helpful suggestions in this article. I'd encourage you to uh, just search for that article. It's very easy to find, it's remained online since it was first posted. But he suggested four biblical steps that I just want to spend a few moments looking at this evening. And I want to recommend these things to us today, particularly if we've been giving in to nagging sins that have been hanging around for way too long. And the four steps that he suggested for killing nagging sin are these. You know, so he's saying, if you want to kill nagging sin in your life, you need to hate it, starve it, corner it, and overwhelm it. Those were the four pieces of advice he gave. Now, I'm going to explain what these mean in just a second. But again, here's his list. He says, if you want to kill nagging sin in your life, you need to, first of all, hate it. Then you need to starve it. Then you need to corner it. And then you need to overwhelm it. Those were his four. Now, what did he mean by that? Well, first of all, I think when it comes to sin finding its way into our lives... I think sometimes one of the reasons, maybe maybe more than just sometimes, maybe almost always, I think one of the reasons why we struggle with sin is because we minimize it. We don't hate it. We minimize it. And we, we look at our sin, so we, we look at you know whatever category you want to put there, uh, whether it be how we use our words or whether it be an addiction that we've started to gravitate toward or whether it be uh, just some level of dishonesty, or some lack of integrity, whatever category, I know that one of the reasons why certain sins have lasted in my life way longer than they should have is because in the middle of them, I was minimizing how sinful they really were. I wasn't thinking about it as uh, an offense to God. Usually, I would rationalize it in my mind like this. It it would kind of be like, well yeah, I recognize this isn't great, but it's not as bad as so-and-so, or it's not as bad as what I think other people are saying or what other people are doing. And so I'd minimize my sin. And uh, in that article, Gavin Ortland suggested, "It's like, look, don't minimize your sin. Don't treat it like it's no big deal. Don't minimize it. Hate it. So that was his first encouragement there. Don't minimize your sin. Hate it. Second biblical piece of counsel that he gives in that article is this, don't feed your sin, starve it. So what does that mean? Don't feed your sin, starve it. Well, let's, let's use an example that is uh, you know not something that we would probably find terribly controversial, but let's just say that uh, the sin that you've been minimizing, especially right now if you've been feeling really, really cooped up, uh, let's say that the sin you've been minimizing is overconsumption or overeating, right? You know, and, and instead of eating one or two Oreos, you've been you've been eating a sleeve of Oreos <laughs> every evening when you should have been going to bed. And I think uh, what we end up doing instead of saying, okay. Um, it, it, you know, I, I this is an area of temptation for me. This is an area that doesn't belong in my life. We still go out and 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 buy the Oreos and we we fill our pantry with them. And then uh, instead of starving our sin, what we're doing is we're feeding it. We're giving it more opportunity to eat, more opportunity to uh, to to be nourished, and we're nourishing it, and we're cherishing it, and we're protecting it, and we're feeding it. And he's saying, no, don't feed it. Starve it. Right? So he started off by saying, don't minimize your sin, hate it, don't feed it, starve it. So think about whatever category is uh, an area that you feel like you're you really wrestle with, an area that you really feel like you're struggling with. How do you tend to feed that area? You know, what are you doing that that really ought to be, um, you know, in, in line with starving your sin, but yet you've been feeding it. So it's something to wrestle with. Third thing he suggests is this, don't give it the opportunity to integrate itself throughout your life, corner it. So don't invite whatever sin you've really been wrestling with to just just kind of work its way through all aspects of your life. That's not God's desire for you, that's not healthy, it's not wise, Don't give it the opportunity to integrate into all areas, into your conversations, into your relationships, into your time alone, into your work life, into your ministry, whatever's going on. Don't give that sin the opportunity to integrate itself throughout your life. Corner it, meaning, you know, put it in its place, keep it in its place uh, so that you can ultimately, with the power that Christ supplies, eradicate it from your life. Don't integrate it throughout your life. And then fourthly, he suggests this. He says, "You know, don't falsely believe that it's more powerful than Christ. Overwhelm it and overcome it by the power of Christ. One of the things that I've seen over time is that some people get to a spot where they have, have grown so used to giving in to a particular area of sin that they haven't hated it, they've started to love it, Uh, They haven't starved it. They've fed it. They haven't cornered it. They've given it the opportunity to integrate throughout their life. And then they find themselves in a spot where they think that their sin is more powerful than the power of Christ. And I like what Ortland says in his article. He says, you know, basically, don't falsely believe that. Don't falsely believe that your sin is more powerful than Christ. It's not more powerful than Christ. Overwhelm that sin and overcome it By the power of Christ. Incorporate prayer into your life. Give it over to the Lord. Uh, You know, like expose that sin to the light so that ultimately it isn't something that continues to destroy um, just all aspects of your life or produce shame in your life or whatever it may be. Overwhelm it, overcome it by the power of Christ. I love what it tells us in Galatians chapter 5, verse 24. I have this for you right there on your screen, so you should be able to see it. But in Galatians 5.24, it tells us this. It says, and those who belong to Christ, excuse me, let me start over. And those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Let me read that again. And those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Think about the nature of a crucifixion for just a second. Crucifixion was not a pretty experience. A crucifixion was not something that was uh an enjoyable thing to witness or certainly not an enjoyable thing to endure. When a person was crucified, they 'd be brought in front of a group of people they were stripped of their clothing and uh, they were uh you know placed up on a cross they were nailed up on a cross and just exposed to the light, and exposed to everybody, and and they were starved, and they were just robbed of the opportunity uh, to live, and robbed of, of their freedom. And that's the imagery that we're being given here in regard to how we deal with sin, how we deal with the temptations of the flesh. We're told by the Apostle Paul in Galatians 5, verse 24, that if we belong to Christ, so if you belong to Christ, if I belong to Christ, that means our task is to crucify the flesh. So he's using that term flesh as, as kind of uh, you know, a reference to the old nature, our sinfulness. We've crucified our old sinfulness, meaning we've, we've nailed it to the cross. You know, it's been nailed to the cross. It's exposed. It's, it's put up for shame. It's, it's blocked off from having freedom and mobility. Those old passions, those old desires, They've been crucified because we belong to Christ. We're crucifying the flesh. We're killing it, right? We're, we're, we're putting our sin in a spot where it can't uh, continue to dominate our lives because we're submitting ourselves to Jesus. We belong to Christ now, and we're relying on his strength and his lordship and his power. So again, he says in Galatians 5, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I love that portion of scripture because it shows us you don't nurture sin. You don't hide it. You don't feed it. You don't love it. You crucify it. That's what our task is. We're to crucify the passions and desires of our sin nature. Now, in in just a moment, uh, I'd like to get some feedback from you guys. I'd like to interact with some of these concepts together. Uh, Again, I just want to highlight before we do that if you're not already part of the, the healthy discipleship community, I want you to consider plugging into that. I'd love to be able to interact there. I'm really going to be investing time and energy into uh, continuing to make this uh, something uh, that's just more and more valuable. I have the podcasts and the blog and all those things that I've been putting out there, but my goal is to actually help people that are utilizing that content to connect with one another and to provide deeper level discipleship for each of us and so we're going to facilitate this through HDC and if you're not already part of it I'd love to invite you to be part of it um, but now I want to take some questions and comments and by the way you can learn more about it if you want to check it out at desirejesus.com uh but at this point here I'm going to switch us back over to gallery view so that we can see one another and I'd love to get your questions and your comments on this particular subject. So let's see how everyone's doing here. All right, I can see you guys. Hopefully you guys can see me. Um, all right, so what are your thoughts on some of these things? I also see some things going on in, in, uh, in chat here. I see from, from Tammy here uh, that she wasn't able to stay on, but would like the link for the recording, absolutely. I'll make sure to get that over to you, Tammy. Um, all right, so some thoughts from you guys in regard to some of the things that the Apostle Paul shares in Romans chapter 7, uh, or so, some of the suggestions that Gavin Ortland uh, references in, um, in his article, uh, or even just something from your own personal experience. Um, this is a, a good opportunity for us to hear from each other, so don't hesitate to, to chime in and, and give some thoughts and insights if you can.
1: Um, when you mentioned about... Um... Starving your sin. Um, it made me think about this story. It's actually an old Cherokee legend, and it's a grandson talking to his grandfather. And the grandfather said a fight is going on inside of of you. He said it's a terrible fight, and it's between two wolves. One is evil. He is anger, envy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, etc., etc. The other is good, which has joy, peace, love, hope, serenity. The grandson thought about it for a minute, and he asked his father, which wolf will win? The grandfather said, the one you
0: feed. Yeah, that's perfect. Which wolf will win? The one you feed. I love it. Yeah, that's a a great analogy. Thanks for sharing that, Mike. I like that a lot. Yeah, which one will win? The one you feed. The one you feed. Some other thoughts.
2: That said to me, Craig, I was really struck with the uh, the rationalization of sin. And I think that's really coupled also to shame as a way to, uh, uh, to justify it, because you rationalize it because you don't want to feel the shame
0: mm-hmm. you
2: know? and, and then, but, but then also uh, verse uh, 11 of Romans chapter seven about sin having deceived us. Yeah. Um, I've read that over so many times and sometimes you need to slow down and have that you know pointed out. But how, how do, how are we to know if, how are we to, to know the deception? How are we to, you know, what, what, how can we realize we're being deceived? I, I know some people said, the Holy Spirit will never accuse
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, it will convict you know whereas Satan is always accusing uh, never convicting in other words saying ah oh, there you go again you're rationalizing your sin you' mm. you know but but what would be your ideas and how do we how do we how do we get our minds wrapped around the, the uh, sin deceiving
0: us I, I think there's a I think that's an awesome question and I think there's a, f- a few things that come to my mind right away one you already brought up the fact the internal witness of the Holy Spirit. He does help us, you know. Scripture says that he he uh, uh, convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Right. So the Holy Spirit, he does that. That's part of his ministry. But I also think so in line with the internal conviction of the Holy Spirit. This is one of those moments where um, I think it's doubly important for us to make sure that we're in the Scriptures. I find that if we're informed we're less likely to be deceived. So if we're actually in the scriptures, I I recently was talking to somebody who was dealing with a major area of deception in their life, where they were very deceived on a very pivotal and important area of life. And one of the things that I discovered in that conversation is they almost never interacted with the word of God. And you can perceive or you can persist in... Deception for a long time, your whole life, if you choose to neglect the counsel of the Word of God. But I also think there's another key thing. And I'll, I'll, I'll you know, some of us on the call here tonight, I know really well. And some that are on the call here tonight in my day to day life, I don't, I don't know you at all, right? So some of us here, I, I know well, some I don't know at all. Um, but I got to tell you, there are people in my life. Brothers and sisters in Christ, who will call me out if they notice that I'm deceived? If there's something I'm missing, that I I'm living in relationship with them in such a way that my life is visible to them. Uh, so that would be my own household. I know would call me out. My church family would call me out. I have uh, rings of friends and ministry colleagues that I think would call me out. And I think the importance of of uh, believers living as the church, right? As we're living in in, uh, community with one another, we have the privilege to help each other see things from our spot of maturity that maybe somebody that's not mature in that area might not yet see. So I think all of those things factor in. I'd be curious to hear from the group if you think, um, you know, is there anything else that you think is useful when it comes to uh, pointing out areas where we're deceived? anything that's been helpful to you to reveal areas of deception in your own life. In addition to the things that we mentioned, the internal witness of the Holy spirit, the truth of scripture, biblical accountability and community with our brothers and sisters in Christ, anything else that's been useful to you? I know sometimes falling on our face can be useful too, but we also hope that it doesn't have to go that way. Right? I mean, there's definite lessons in my life that I've learned because I straight up just fell on my face and, uh, you know, ideally, I don't want to make that mistake too many times.
1: <laughs> Actually, I have one that wasn't brought up.
0: Yeah, what it is kinda,
1: it? It kind of ties into what you're saying, but I think regret is probably a good way for us to know where we've fallen short of God's
0: glory. Yeah, where you look back and you say, uh, that did not work out the way I wish that it or th- that it could have, right? You know, I went down a path, I was... I should not have gone down, and now I look back at it, and I I think, it's kind of like, um, you know, how scripture says that godly sorrow produces repentance, and uh, that might even be a a good way for us to phrase that, because it's not even so much, uh, you know, shame and regret so much that we're going to, it's like this godly sorrow that produces repentance, where we look at it, and we say, um, you know what, I, I grieve over my sin like the Lord grieves over my sin, You know, when I sin, the Lord grieves. And when I become more in tune with his mind, with his heart, I start to grieve over the same things that grieve him. So, good. Yeah, Desha, I see your hand up. Hi. Hi.
3: Um, Just to shed a little (laughs) bit of light on where I was, and when I, I was, was, obviously I'm clean and sober for like 10 plus years now. Well, you know that. You guys probably didn't know, but, um, and before I came to my faith, um, well, first of all, I'd grown up in church, right? But I it, it went over my head, so I was trying to find my way back to church in my addiction. But I honestly, like, I can look back and remember, like, I didn't understand what I was reading in the Bible. I didn't understand mm-hmm. what was being preached. Like, there nothing was making sense to me. So I don't know how. I mean, I just kept going sporadically whether I was hungover or, I, I mean, I'm not proud of this, but I, I drank in church at times. <laughs> and, right. um, But I, I believe I was where I was supposed to be, and yep. obviously. So when I came to my faith, things started to make sense, but I didn't understand it all, and I didn't understand. once. But I was so open to it that once people told me that, don't have to feel ashamed. And because when I was drinking and, and even now when I'm doing stuff that I don't think I should be doing, I lose my peace. And that's one sure sign to me that maybe I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do, but I resist it still sometimes. And that's where I, I you know, we, I think sometimes as human beings, we want to hold on to some of these things that we shouldn't be. Um, and that's where that be sorrow and that I always say, if I'm uncomfortable stepping out doing something, that's one thing. But if I lose my peace, then maybe that path is not for me. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to add in there a little bit because I didn't even realize, like, I didn't know what I didn't know when I was out there doing what I was doing. And, um, the more I'm learning in faith, the more that I realize, um, how God is speaking to me. And, and sometimes I don't want to listen, but I'm trying to more and more because I don't want to live that way. You know, I right. want to please God. And just because we're made right in him doesn't, you know, give us an excuse to keep on doing what we're doing. And that's why I think I lose my peace. But that, that not knowing and not understanding, like it was like a light bulb went on, but obviously some seeds were planted along the way for that to happen because I was going to church for quite a while before I actually came to Christ and, and Mm -hmm. gave and was saved and gave my life to him. Mm -hmm. But I grew up in a church and I just still didn't understand it. It went, you know, and then I got away from the church for years. So I don't know why some people make it and some don't, you know, why, you know, There's many reasons, but one of it is that we, um, I think you mentioned it in a, you mentioned it the other day in one of your talks. I can't remember what it was, but, um, we have, we have to, it was your sermon on Sunday.
0: Okay. We have to
3: want to change and you can't help people that don't want to change or something. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. And some people prefer to remain broken. Right. Yeah.
3: And, and that I was there for a long time because I just yeah. didn't know the difference. And it's hard to know the difference until you actually start to come onto to that other side.
0: Right, right. Yeah, that's good. And you, you said, and I'll, I'll uh, affirm what you just said there in the sense that I, I've noticed just within my own self um, that when I persist in something that I know is not right, what ends up happening inside me, so you phrased it, lacking peace. And uh, uh, I, the way I've been phrasing it in my mind, and I even say this as a preventative thing, that if I go off the rails, if I go in a direction that's the direction of my old nature instead of following the Lord, it makes me feel depressed. It, it truly does make me feel depressed at this point. I've identified that as a source of depression in my life. I, I, I feel genuinely depressed if I feel like in some way... I, I haven't listened to the voice of the Lord or I violated my conscience or something like that. It really does make me feel depressed. So that's, that's, um, and the way you phrase it, you know, like lacking peace, it's that concept, right? Um, I see Emery Lee raise their hand. What's up, Emery?
4: Hey, John, thanks so much for making this available.
0: Uh, oh, thank you. Emory. where are you from? Calling
4: from Louisville, Kentucky.
0: Louisville, Kentucky. All right. And how'd you find out about the call tonight? Actually,
4: I received one of your emails, making the invitation available. Awesome. And uh, I shared it with, uh, with my ministry and the church. Uh, for those, we just got off of our own prayer line uh, right at just about 8 o'clock. And so I wanted to make sure I had a chance to, uh, to connect and be, and be involved. We appreciate some of the material you've made available. We've used it uh, for part of our, our Bible study as well.
0: Awesome. Thanks, thanks for doing that. Thanks for jumping on the call tonight. Uh, please share. Well what I want to simply again
4: because the heading talks about that nagging sin yep. I think oftentimes we also uh we write those nagging sins off as though, as though we think those are the big sins mm-hmm. uh the big stones we tr- we we really fall over instead of the small ones like being quick to lie mm-hmm. uh being quick to re- to deceive uh lying on your taxes you know those those small rocks that 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 we sometimes it may be it may be normal to do but we don't really see it as the big sin and what I liked in your five ways of how to kill nagging sin mm-hmm. uh on number 3 basic, basically cornering it yeah really confronting it uh about what it really is it's not just a little white lie you lied and so the word reminds us that all sin is sin right and so if we, if we level it off like it should be, then we should be able to uh, corner uh, and access that. And, of course, overwhelm it with enough of the, of the Scripture and the Word of God. So I thank you for sharing that.
0: Yeah, and thanks for that insight, Emery. I appreciate that. And uh, really excited that you're, you're with us from uh, Louisville there. That's great. I, uh, I see Nathan has his hand up, but I'm going to, um, uh, let's see, I think Cassie shared something real quick first. And so Cassie, are you, are you able to unmute or, uh, I see what your comment is here in the, in the, um, in the chat bar here. So, um, you know, which would, which would be better here? Do you want to unmute or do you, or maybe we discuss what you typed out? She might not be in a spot where she can unmute.
3: John, can you unmute her? Uh,
0: yeah, I, I think I can on. if she if wants me to. You. I'll I'll try this here. All right, Cassie, I'm going to unmute you. All right, Cassie, can you hear me? Okay, her background's too noisy. Understood. Okay. Um, Yeah, so Cassie shared some things here. She says, I've been struggling with weight loss for many years, turning 50 this year, and so I was ready to make progress. I know it's because I gave it to God that he's changed some of my habits since January with some significant success, which is awesome. And she says, I, I find myself backsliding once again, and I pray that focusing more on him through his com- through this community will starve this sin and allow me through him to overcome once and for all. And uh, that's fantastic. And I think, see, one of the things I like about what you type there, Cassie, and uh, thanks for sharing that with us, because obviously that's transparent. And I, I think sometimes the more transparent we are, the harder it is at times for us to, you know, just admit things. But one of the things that you're doing there is you're, you're kind of, you're calling something out instead of nurturing or feeding something, you're overcoming it uh, with the power that Christ supplies and in the context of community of uh, folks that, that can... Uh, ultimately commit to pray for you. And so I, I just encourage the group and, and those that might have the chance to listen to this recording, uh, just to lift Cassie up in prayer. She's been, you know, really just um, you know, this has been a struggle she's had significant victory in, but also setbacks. And that's very much like what what uh the apostle Paul was saying too. It's like the things I want to do don't always end up being the thing I end up doing. Is that not where we're all at with these things? Like this is exactly where we're at, right? Um that's fantastic. Yeah. Thanks, Cassie. That, that provides a great example. Nathan, you're up. What's up?
5: Um, all right, there we go. Um, so I actually, that ties in perfectly because that's exactly what I was going to talk about. Um, so partially, I don't want to go into a super long story, but I think it could be some encouragement. And then, uh, I have my own thoughts on that, but me, myself, I've always been like drastically overweight since I was very young. Um, and I consistently would try to do whatever I could and it wouldn't really work out until um, this past summer I got my way up to 287 pounds, which is where I was like, I'm going to be 300. I got to turn that around. Um, and I lost about 31 within three months. Um, so that was like, that was a great success for me. And then I ended up, I had a bunch of things back to back. Like I went on vacation and then it was Thanksgiving break. And then um, I got a minor injury and put 27 of them back on. So it was one of those moments where like, it was very discouraging and it felt like I undid everything that I worked for. Yeah. Um, but it was one of those things and I would keep uh, nagging myself about it because I'd be like, you know, some of it was not me not being able to work out, but I was like, I couldn't, uh, you know, if I didn't cheat here and there and I didn't slip or let like whatever the, the setback I couldn't control, I let it fall into more setbacks that were entirely in my control. even if I can't work out, I can still eat right. I can, you know, just because this or that happened doesn't mean I have to eat junk all the time. Um, Mm -hmm. and it was one of those things where it was discouraging because like, I've still, I I lost all that weight and I'm I'm down even more now. I've lost about 57 total since August, but great job. Um, yeah, thank you. But it's, um, (laughs) you're welcome. Is it keep keep up um, keep up the good work stuff it's, def- it's a lot uh, it gives me a lot more mental clarity as well it doesn 't solve everything for sure, but uh, I have a lot more direction I think in general um, mm. than I did just because you know it's one more thing you have control of um, right. and I think one of those things as well though that was my own thought on that is i didn 't really realize how much of an issue I put myself in, mm. particularly with the overeating section of it uh, because I I would eat so much food every day and it it didn't seem like a problem to me. Um, I was actually, Daniel put it in a way that I was able to understand because he's been working out a lot more too, obviously. Um, Mm -hmm. I was talking to him and I was like, dude, I don't know how I was able to you know, eat like three boxes of macaroni and cheese in one sitting. I, I didn't see a problem with it. And he said that I was ignorant and content. Which are two things I think, like, I didn't realize that there was a problem. And th- when I did eventually realize there was a problem, I was fine with it. I was like, you know, I don't care enough to change this, or maybe it is a problem, but it's going to take too much effort. It's not that big of a problem. Uh, I can deal with this. And now it's to the point where looking back, it's like, it was a huge issue. I had completely no idea. Awesome. Uh,
0: Th- those are two good words to like the ignorant and content. Yeah. Yeah. We could be content in our ignorance, right? You know, just right. like willfully ignorant and then content to remain there. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. It's crazy.
5: Yeah. I heard him say that. I was like, Whoa, you just described everything <laughs> I went through. <laughs> With like, you know,
0: it's crazy. Uh, wow. It's smart. Thanks, Nathan. Yeah, hey, I'm Nathan, fine. before you, before you mute again, uh, yeah. you know, how, how many pounds did you lose just through the haircut this week?
1: <laughs> Probably one or two,
5: you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Good job. Yeah, thank you. Um, Don, did I see your hand up or were you doing something else?
6: Yeah, I did have my hand up. I was, uh, when I figured I'd chime in on here or something, uh, uh and helps produce the, the change or the th- thought of sin is, uh, consequences. I know that uh, one of the last things the human brain develops is the concept of consequences. Mm -hmm. That's why you see young children doing things, you know, they're heading for some disaster, but they don't see the consequences yet. So uh, when when you started out this session and you talked about avoiding pain, there's this thing we say in, in, in recovery of that when the pain gets great enough, that's when there'll be change. So
0: mm-hmm.
6: uh, the whole aspect it, it, it just makes so much sense that we try to avoid pain, and and the pain and avoiding the pain becomes the pain. And yeah. uh, what, we, what we're doing because we're free to do whatever we want, we end up in bondage to it. So uh, when it, when you're looking as mature and as a Christian, I know for myself, the closer I get to God the more I start to hate these sins that didn't bother me even so much as maybe, maybe a year ago, mm-hmm. you know, something that was, uh, you know, how you talk about uh, accepting it or, you know, welcoming the sin instead of hating it. But uh, I wanted to bring up that concept of, uh, of consequences being, I remember uh, one of the consequences of my lifestyle was I was, uh, I was incarcerated for a period of time. And I remember in a Bible study in Allegheny County Jail, reading the scripture that talks about the Lord chastises those he loves. And I said, well, God must really love me because besides (laughs) being incarcerated, all the other consequences I had and, and, and that aspect of feeling tenderly loved when I'm being dealt consequences. And another thing, This scripture, chapter seven of Romans, Mm -hmm. uh, goes a long way to whenever we're starting to feel that nobody else uh, messes up as much as I do, or like, why can't I get it? And you see the apostle Paul, who met Jesus personally on the road to Damascus, writes these things, you know, we're not alone. And the other thing, because I'm in recovery, getting around like-minded people who God has freed up from whatever it is is ill and you and that ties in with christian fellowship and the word and whatnot but that uh that uh support group aspect mm-hmm. you know like no matter what's ill in you if you're going through grief from losing a loved one the best thing to get is into a support group with other people that have had the same same loss as you have so uh the help is out there and uh and, and paul sums it up what 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 hope there is there for a wretched man like me? And I want to encourage all you guys to come on here because uh, just something like that, admitting that you got nagging sins that you're still working on, is part of the process, right?
0: Yeah, that's right. If we live in denial, it's not a uh, that's not really going to help us at all. <laughs> it just feeds and nurtures and hides, you know. Hides that fact, it's, you know. And, and here's the other thing. I mean, if we if we try to claim we have no sin, it's the same as saying, you know, I have no need for Jesus. It's like, it, it's plus like, you're
6: a liar right there. <laughs> yeah, right.
0: <laughs> you know, it's like if I try and pretend like sin is not an issue in my life, that's I mean, that would be ridiculous. It's like, why did Christ come to begin with? He didn't. He didn't. He didn't come for the those that were well. You know, he came for those of us who uh, were lost in sin. We were lost. And he came to find us and heal us and rescue us. And and uh, we kid ourselves when we pretend like we don't need Christ to rescue us. Awesome. Any other thoughts tonight? This was all really good discussion here tonight. Yeah, I,
2: I was just thinking I, something I, we, we all know, but it's, it's always good to remember is that uh, repentance isn't really for Jesus. It's for ourselves. and And we could all think to the... Time when, uh, as, as children, you know, when we, when we had done something wrong, but when we just finally admitted it, you know, that that burden that was lifted off, that we told our mom we broke the dish or our dad we <laughs> broke whatever it was, you know. But you know, I, I always tell people, remember, repentance uh, is not for God or for Jesus, but it's for us because when we repent, you know, we we start to give that burden, that shame, it just you know kind of goes. So, you know, it's, That's it's right. Just, it's part of this whole thing is just simply to repent and uh, and let Jesus do the rest.
0: Absolutely. Awesome. Well, this was great guys. I, I really appreciate you guys taking out some time to jump on here tonight. We're uh, just about at that one hour mark. So we'll, we'll finish up in just a second. Uh, but we're going to be doing these regularly as you're able to, to jump on. We love to have you jump on. Um, you know, we'll be doing these probably, uh, I'm going to try and do that, at least for now, I'm, I'm aiming for Thursday nights and still trying to figure out what, what time works best and, and uh, all of that. So don't hesitate to give me some feedback in relation to that. Uh, also, I have a whole list of topics that I'm working on that I, I hope will be um, in, enjoyable and useful to us all. But if there's ever something that you think would be really helpful for us to be able to discuss in a group like this... That you want to suggest as a topic, never hesitate to send me an email. The best email to use is john at desirejesus.com. If you send it to john at desirejesus.com, just let me know and uh, we can add that to the list or even bump it up on the list and uh, hopefully uh, talk about some useful things. But really, really good discussion. Uh, uh, tonight, I know that there are others that have the opportunity to access this through the the recordings and stuff too, so thanks in advance to your transparency uh, for your transparency that will be uh, helpful to others and those of you on the call here tonight that I have not had the opportunity to meet in person, thanks for uh, taking the opportunity to join us tonight i 'm always blessed to discover just how how vast the body of Christ is, and we have the privilege thank God in the midst of this season and in the midst of this world right now to enjoy community with each other, even though essentially none of us are in the same place. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, all right. Well, that, that's all for this evening. Thanks again, to everybody, for signing on here and uh, enjoyed reading your comments here on the side too. All right. Well, have a good night.
2: You.
0: Thank you, John. You too. All right. Thank you. We'll catch you next time. Good night. Good night.
3: Have you ever considered yourself a messenger? Whether it's mics like this, bookshelves around the world, stages to take, or art to make, or perhaps businesses to build, it's time we start testifying truth unashamedly, creatively, and in love. My name is Tamara Andress, the host of the Messenger Movement Podcast, which is designed to catalyze Christians to speak, write, build, and testify. If you're ready to turn your message into a movement, and want to run with other messengers doing the thing at scale globally? Search and follow the Messenger Movement Podcast on your favorite podcast platform today or lifeaudio.com.